Thank you. We pray, Lord, that you use this word and that by your spirit you would split our hearts open, Lord, that we would be crying out to you like this leper, that we would be uh, uh, worshipers in that way just as he was a worshiper and example to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. You may be seated. Okay, so lest I uh, stick my head in the sand and be like, is it ostriches that do that? It's, there's that just a myth? Uh, some people say it's a myth. Uh, okay. Um, I, but uh, it, it's at least uh, a good illustration of some, sometimes what we do. We stick our head in the sand and uh, pretend like things aren't happening. And so lest I do anything like that, I just want to say a very brief word um, about the election and the aftermath and the decisive, rather the divisiveness um, that is going on. And I will, um, I will say this, and I said it to our ministry team last night, that, um, you know, the Lord told me, Steve, there's nothing much else to say. You said it the last six months while you were teaching in the book of Romans. Um, and I would say, quite possibly, uh, the most quoted verse during that six months, we, which was chapter 12 through chapter 16 that we've been in COVID, uh, has been uh, verse 14 of chapter 12, says, which says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. And I am ashamed of the church because they have a persecution complex. Where be we are so persecuted, and then they act out in anger and all kinds of unchrist-like behavior. The left feels like it's persecuted from the right. The right feels like it's persecuted uh, from the left. But the Bible's very clear. Jesus is very clear. <laughs> Bless those who persecute you. Calvary Chapel, your mission field, whether you're on the, uh, the political left or the political right, and we have both in this church, your mission field are the ones who persecute you. Do not poison your mission field. The, uh, Jesus addresses this uh, very thing in Matthew. I can't get enough, uh, enough of these verses. Uh, he says in the book of Matthew, he, said, he says, blessed are you when uh, they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. And then he says, rejoice and be exceedingly mad. No, he does not say that. <laughs> He says, be exceedingly glad. That is how you prepare your persecutors for salvation. That's how you do it. We are here in this one short life. And so are we going to be uh, walking with the Lord as if our hearts are rooted into this world? 
I love our country, but I'm not supposed to be walking with my heart rooted into this country. I'm supposed to be walking with my heart rooted into Jesus. And when I'm walking like that, I'm walking with joy and with love. Amazingly, the very next verse, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. And we don't, we don't hear this very often because we think of, we have our own ideas of what salt of the earth is. Well, Jesus says, you're salt in the earth if you have a joy in the middle of the most um, odd circumstances for anyone to have joy. And that's now, Calvary Chapel. Being a people of joy and of love in the middle of this season. So there you have it. I'm not gonna be like an ostrich or uh, even if they're, it's not an ostrich, uh, uh, it, it's a good picture of what sometimes we do and we're tempted to do. And, and I've been guilty of this so many times, I'm just sticking my head in the sand, acting as if uh, stuff going on, but I'm just going to ignore it because it's too hard to deal with. No, we're going to be Christ followers, people of joy and love who love our persecutors, whoever they may be at this time. Praise the Lord. Okay, Mark chapter, Mark chapter 1. So again, we're at the very beginning of Jesus' public ministry. But today we see something new. Jesus heals a leper. And it causes a sensation. So great that Jesus could no longer openly enter the cities, verse 45 says. And he had to minister in deserted places in the wilderness, so people had to come out to him, which they did in every direction, because healing a leper was so completely extraordinary. <laughs> It just, and things that had already been stirred up in an incredible way, but healing a leper. And that's why we see this at the very beginning of his public ministry. Now, um, as we look at, go through the book of Mark, the book of Mark is a long series of different things that happened in, in Jesus' life. That's how Matthew, Mark, and Luke are written. Different accounts, and then each new account has something new for you designed to open your heart to God and make you love him more than you ever have in your life. And so by the end of the gospel, Mark, you should be loving him as you've never loved him before. What's in this one, in this account? Jesus healing a leper. Well, in verse 34 of this chapter, it says that Jesus healed uh, many who were sick with various diseases. I do prefer the New International Version. It says Jesus healed all kinds of diseases. Uh, one kind of disease, however, that he had not cured yet up until this point, leprosy. Why might that have been? Well, I think it's probably pretty clear, and that is because he was surrounded by crowds. 
And lepers were forbidden by Jewish law to come anywhere near a person, much less a crowd of people. So consider Leviticus 13, 45 through 46, and consider this being you. <laughs> what if you were this person? This is Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 through 46. This was the law. This is in the Old Testament, and this is the law. It says, now the leper, on whom the sore is, meaning a leprous sore, his clothes shall be torn, his head bare, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. He shall be unclean. All the days he is the sore, he shall be unclean. He is unclean, and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. If you want to read an example of, of this, go to, you can go, don't now, but in your own, if you're taking notes, 2 Kings chapter 7 in the Old Testament, you see a remarkable story about lepers living outside the walls of Samaria, living on scraps of food. This disease was highly contagious. It is related, but not exactly the modern day, like the modern day Hansen's uh, disease, which is not is contagious, not as contagious. Uh, but you know, diseases change over time, and and it's highly contagious. So much so that um, lepers had to cry out if they were near any pe person. Um, they they were to cry out unclean, unclean. And I've read Bible commentaries that state that if lepers got too close, people would throw rocks at them. That's how much it was feared. The disease, we were in it actually a couple months ago when we studied the life of Naaman, who was a leper in the Old Testament. The disease caused a, caused a person to become disfigured attacking the nerves. Extremities such as the end of toes, fingers would fall off, eyebrows would fall off, blindness would set in, small muscles became paralyzed. Lesions all over the skin. An indescribably dreaded disease, greatly feared, enormous shame, and isolation. We just read about that. Isolation associated with leprosies. The, the crowd would have tried to prevent any leper from getting close to Jesus. Yet this one did. He got there. He got to Jesus. And the parallel account in Luke says this, that he was full of leprosy. Uh, uh, read this verse with me, Luke 5, 12. It says, and it happened when he was in a certain city that behold, a man who was full, meaning the advanced stages of leprosy, saw Jesus and he fell on his face and implored him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Can you imagine the emotion, the raw emotion the, in this appeal you can make me clean. This man whose body had become 
covered uh, with this horrific disease. What had, can you imagine what it had done to his spirit and his soul, separating him from his family? If he had a wife, separated from her. If he had a kids, separated from them, separated from the community, the religious life, the temple. When people caught sight of them, they would shrink back in horror. Can you imagine them? Can you imagine, rather, this man, the, the raw emotion, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So what does the Lord want you to take from us? What could the Lord possibly want you to take from this. How is this a way, as we just said, after reading it, it's something that will open up our heart to God so that you'll love him even more than he ever did before. Well, I believe the parallel account in Matthew helps us answer that question. It says, and behold, a leper came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, what word is in there that's not in the other accounts? Anyone? Shout it out. Someone shout it out. What word is in there that's not in the other accounts? Shout it out. Worship. He worshiped. You know, it would be almost impossible for me to overemphasize how important it is for you, Calvary Chapel, to understand what worship is. I could not possibly overemphasize it. How important worship of God is. You may not like the word. It's taken me years not growing up in church, in a Christian church, to get used to this word. It, it, it may make you feel uncomfortable because it's such a churchy, religious word, but you need to, with God's grace, push that aside because you were made by God to worship him. John four twenty three, a very familiar verse, Jesus with the woman at the well says this, this is Jesus speaking, the hour is coming and now is. The reason he says that is because he's there. Jesus is there in the flesh, the living God. The hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is seeking worshipers. That's why he made you. That's why he made mankind. Jesus says, I came to seek and save the lost for, among other purposes, to become worshipers of God. And that's an amazing thing. If we could only let that settle in, that the God of the universe, the maker of heaven and earth, who knit together every molecule, every atom, um, he is seeking those human beings 
and he's done it with you so that you would worship him. Do you think it may be important to understand what worship is? It's certainly important to God that you understand what it means. And that's why he puts these stories in the Bible, including the one before us, um, to, to, to teach us what worship is. And listen, I personally think, and I really mean this, that the account of this leper may be one of the best, if not the best, picture in the Bible of what true worship really is. I really mean that. And, and, and uh, I think if, 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 you, if you don't at least in some degree understand what this leper understood and do what this leper did, you will never know worship. You'll never worship God. You'll never experience the very thing God created you for, worship. So let's come up, let, let's, let's get a working definition up here. What is worship? This is what I believe my understanding of biblical worship is. If you're taking notes or you want to take a picture. Worship are these two things put together. Number one, a deep understanding of your desperate need for God. But added to that, and without which there can be no real worship, a great confidence in the power and love of God to meet your desperate need. And so this word, by the way, just desperate need, you could in a way interchange it with desire. It's, it's all wrapped up in the same thing. A deep understanding of your desperate need and having a, or, or having a desperate desire for God, for the living God, to get what no one else in the whole world or anything else can give you. And added to that, a great confidence in the power and love of God to meet your desperate need, to fulfill your desire. That's what worship is. Now, rarely do you see a person in the Bible who understands how much he needed God than this man. Uh, he, he not only knew he needed God, he felt he, he needed God. He, there was a groaning in this man's spirit, a groaning that permeated, that saturated every molecule in his body, a groan of his spirit because he knew he was utterly, totally, completely undone unless he was touched by this man, Jesus Christ, the God-man. But what was that desperate need, the, the, rather, what was that understanding of his desperate need combined with? It was combined with a great confidence that Jesus could meet the need. Mark 1.40, a leper came to him imploring, kneeling down and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. How do we know? What is a picture, by the way, of this man's great confidence that Jesus 
could, and I believe not only could, but would heal. It, he, he just made his way through a, co- a crowd that despised him. At the time, they thought uh, that it was commonly believed that leprosy was a curse from God that resulted from some sin or you or your family. And, and, and we already mentioned about the rocks. This man had such confidence that, this, that Jesus Christ would heal him. He barged his way somehow uh, through the crowd and, and, and pleaded with Jesus. And I think what a re- remarkable thing about this story, and I haven't, I, I've seen a couple of the Jesus movies. I don't know what they did with this one, but he is no doubt everyone is gone except Jesus and the leper. Isn't that an incredible scene of worship? Is that an incredible scene of worship? There's, there's crowds, but they have, they, they've split. They're gone. <laughs> and it's just Jesus and this leper who it says is kneeling down and it says that he's imploring. I know you can heal me. Please heal me. Now I think the parallel account in Matthew um, adds one thing. Uh, the parallel account in Matthew says this. In Matthew, do we have Matthew? It says, and behold, a leper came and worshiped him saying, Lord, so that's the, that, that's the word that's missing. That's why we like to read all three accounts when you're reading these accounts. Really valuable to, to, to um, what, what do they call it? A harmony. You can get actually harmony uh, of the, a book called The Harmony of the Gospels, and they put it right, at, right next to each other. Great Bible study tool. Just a great Bible study tool. But here you see he uses the word Lord. Now, um, that was a word that was also used at the time for someone, a master or important person would be called the Lord, but I believe that this man knew that Jesus was the Messiah. It's evident to me with the whole context that he knows that this is the anointed one and and that um, he's he's worshiping him. He is worshiping the Lord. Now, I want to bring up a point here, and it's a it's a point that if to use the expression, if you leave the sermon with nothing else, I want you to leave with this. Uh, Freddie and I, Pastor Freddie, are, are have been meeting with uh, one of the brothers in the church, just teaching uh, him about how to teach the Bible. And one of the things that we're emphasizing is, look. You know, there's lots of, there's hundreds, thousands of commentaries. A lot of them are good, but you better be careful. The most important thing going into a teaching is what the Lord really spoke to you and what the people you're speaking to really need to hear and and really make that the focus. And, And this is what I believe the Lord spoke to me personally. And it's gonna sound a little crazy to you. But the leper had a great advantage over you and me when it comes to this worship thing. He had a great advantage. And what do I mean by that? Well, remember from our study of leprosy a couple months ago, throughout the Bible, it's a picture of what? Shout it out. Sin. Leprosy throughout the Bible is a picture of sin and the effects that sin can have in your, uh, your life. J.C. Riles, um, the, the famous British uh, pastor and author, 
author says this of, of leprosy. He says, it's a disease which is utterly incurable, no mere skin disorder. It is a radical disease of the whole man. It attacks not merely the skin, but the blood, the flesh, the bones, until the unhappy patient begins to lose his extremities and to rot by inches. Well, listen, this is the, uh, what the very thing that sin does. It, 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 it attacks not the nerves, but the conscience. And, and, and over time, the conscience deadens. And over time, after the conscience deadens and sin abounds and increases, um, uh, eventually pieces of lives start to fall off. Either the family, the finance, the job, or whatever, of a sinner as, 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 as sin begins to come in and just rot away. The conscience being deadened. And, and, and so uh, the, the problem here with the body of Christ, I really, mean, I really mean this, this leper has an advantage over you and me because most of us in the body of Christ don't have the slightest idea that we are spiritual lepers. That's what we are. Now, Pastor Scott, <laughs> we all love him in so many ways. He came up with some really... Uh, Odd and quirky sayings, which he's famous for. He should probably write a book of them. But one of them, um, and if you knew Pastor Scott, you would, you would understand. Well, I'll explain what he means. But he comes up with this one, and this is classic Pastor Scott. He said this, I can only hope that future Calvary Chapel pastors are all passed out right now, drunk on the floor of a bar, lying in their vomit. <laughs> That's what Pastor Scott said. What did he mean by that? It's, it's a profound statement. It's hyperbole, meaning he's not meaning it literally, but what he means by that is the reason he said that is because he has an understanding, because that's part of his testimony, being one of those folks, is it's them that have an advantage in some respects because they understand the grace of God when they come back to God. They've hurt themselves and so many people. They understand they need God. They're spiritual lepers. And it's the whole person. It's their blood, their flesh, their nerves. It's everything. And they come to Jesus with such an understanding of grace. Now, parents, please, don't misunderstand me. Chuck Smith, the first Calvary Chapel pastor, never had a drop of alcohol in his life, or a drug. He said, the, he said the worst thing he ever did was he went to a Snow White movie and he went half, he, he left in the middle of it. He was so convicted. Uh, but, uh, and, and this is a man who understood the grace of God and was used to bring thousands, tens of thousands of drug addicts into the kingdom of God. The best testimony is to start with the Lord and never turn back. As we pray this morning for the, for the Wambua children, start with the Lord and never, a young angel never turn back. But still, the point that Pastor Scott was making, the point that um, I, I'm making here is that lepers have an, exam, have an advantage because they get it what many others don't understand, that we are desperately in need of God, that we have been tainted by sin, corrupted by sin. It's gone down to the very depths of who we are. And you've heard the, the, the Bible verse that all our most righteous acts are like filthy rags, the, uh, the prophet Isaiah, I believe, says. 
And that's because, um, uh, that's because everything we do, even good thing, is just tainted by sin or selfish motives. And, and so um, uh, the way that I want to wrap this up, it's like, well, what do I do? I, I, I see this leper. I get it. This guy understands. He needs the Lord. I get it. He's a, a picture of me and, uh, a, a, or, or of a true worshiper who, who can't worship God fully until they f- understand the full capacity of their sin, but also be confident that, that God is able to, to save them of sin and to heal and restore what sin has eaten away. What, do I, what am I supposed to do? The same thing that we talked about last week, we gotta pray. Listen, when we come into the body of Christ, it's a, a person is saved by, by coming to Jesus. Jesus, earlier in the chapter, uh, described what it is to be, uh, what, how a person is saved. He said in, what is it, verse... 15, repent and believe the gospel. Meaning, do a U-turn with your behavior and believe the gospel that God came in human form. He came in the appearance of a man, Philippians chapter 2 says. He lived a perfect life to credit to your account. He died to die for your sins. He rose from the dead to, among other things, just affirm everything that he did, and he ascended into heaven so that he would, could pour out the free gift of salvation for you. But when you and I come to, first to Jesus, you and I do not have the slightest, de- maybe a slight, tiny little idea of your leprosy, your spiritual leprosy. And I have noticed as the years have gone by, that I understand more and more and more at 57 years of age, I understand more than ever before, oh, wow, do I need the blood of Jesus to purge my sin. It has been said before, and I've I've mentioned this before, as you grow in the Lord You sin less, but you repent more. So when Paul prays for the churches, what does he pray? That they would understand all this, that they would understand this principle of spiritual leprosy and what this leper understood, that we have a desperate need for God's salvation, but also we need to understand his salvation completely meets the need and our desire for him. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18. Pray this for yourself every day and those who you love and have on your hearts. If you would consider praying with me, I I witnessed to a, a, a man yesterday. His name is Jason. If you could write his name down. Pray this for him this week too. But this is a prayer for the church. It says, I pray that you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the width and length and the height and the depth of what? Your great salvation, God's great salvation of you. Please let that sink in. (laughs) This is what you pray for you. This is what you pray for our church and those that you love. What you're essentially 
praying is you're praying that we would come, that you, were, you would come to the same understanding as this leper in Mark chapter 1. That's what this prayer is. This, is. this is when Paul teaches how to pray. This is what he says to pray. I pray that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, and the depth and the height of what? Of God's great salvation of you. And when you do, this is what will happen. When this prayer is answered, and if you, if you approach this prayer like this leper approached Jesus, just barging through the crowd saying, God, I have to know how wide and long and high and deep is your great salvation, it'll happen. I promise, and it's gonna be a painful process when God starts revealing the roots of sin in your life, it's going to be a painful process, but it's going to be a worshiping process as you understand God, God saves you from it. And, he, and not only that, he crowns you with loving mercies and tender, tender mercies and loving kindness on your life. It's part of his great salvation. I pray that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and the height. Now, I'm going to close with this. I have a very dear friend. He grew up in a Christian family and was saved to the Lord at a very young age. And I've, I've known him for 20 years. And... When I, when I used to hang around him quite a bit, can we, can we keep this up, um, please, Kyle? Now, when I used to hang around him years and years and years ago, uh, I noticed, and I was, it made me nervous being around him because I, didn't, I don't think he got this first part. I don't think he really understood just the depths of his sin nature. And uh, he, I, I, I believe that he struggled with that. But what has happened over time and, uh, is that um, within the last five years, something happened to him where he became so utterly aware of his sin. Now, I, I, I'm sorry, the, uh, the, the chart. He became so, thank you, he became so, so aware of number one the, the, the desperate need that he had for God, meaning the depth of his sin. But without the corresponding understanding that, or, or without the corresponding confidence that, 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 the, that God had the power and love personal love for him to, to meet his desperate need. And it's so intense that he more or less can't, is not even able to work. It's so crippling to him because he just, he's just a number one here. And a lot of times I see this happening with new believers. They, they get their sin, but they just, they just 
don't understand that God's love for them is so great, the last thing he wants them is questioning whether they're, they're, they're saved when they're, when they're doing everything they can. But it, I also see this show up in people's lives 10, 20, 30, 40 years into their walk. They become acutely aware of how wicked they have been and are before the Lord in their thought life and this type of thing, but they don't get the second part and it's, it's devastating. And, and so, so important that we get this. I just want to quote a couple verses. If you just understand one thing, and that is the precious blood of Jesus, which effectually purges all your sin. And cl- past, present, and future, you'll get number two. You'll, you, you'll get it. In, in a few verses, uh, to, to, for you to grow in your great confidence in the power and love of God to meet your desperate need. The first, he, I, Hebrews, I think it's the, uh, do we have Hebrews here? Uh, oh, first we're going to start off with um, Acts chapter 20. Uh, this is Paul uh, speaking to the Ephesian elders. He says, therefore, take heed to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And listen, underline this to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. When Jesus died on the cross and that blood poured out, it was the blood of God. If you really let that seep in to your soul, you'll understand the number two, that God has power and love to cover and purge and get rid of and cast out all your sin. I personally believe the best book in the Bible to understand this concept is the book of Hebrews. Uh, chapter 13, verse 20 says this, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. If you're, if you're <laughs> over there in Hebrews, this is a good one to, to underline. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Meaning, God the everlasting means what? No beginning, no end. Meaning all your sin, including current, that sewerage that's in your mind currently. And this is what often cripples, and it's a, it's an, it's, it's a demonic attack. It cripples the service of Christians. What's currently going on in their mind is so filthy. They could, just can't understand that God, that God could use them. And, and, but, and of course, there's a place to, for repentance, but there's uh, just as much, there's a place that you have to understand. It's the blood of the eternal covenant that was spilled for you on the cross. And then uh, um, chapter 10, verse 14 says this, by one offering, speaking of the blood of Jesus on the cross for you, Jesus has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And I've encouraged this brother, listen, that stuff that's currently in your mind, it's taking, it's been taken care of. There is an everlasting blood that washed it. So back to the chart. Worship. A deep understanding of your desperate need for God 
and added to that a great confidence in the power and love of God to meet your desperate need. No better place to really see that than this leper who made his way, just, just broke through these crowds who would have been resisting him with all their might. And he, it says in verse 40, he implored. Just with raw emotion, he implored Jesus, kneeling down and said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, touched him. You can only imagine what that felt like to be touched by a clean person, a non-leprous person. Just the love here. And touched him and said to him, I'm willing be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up at this time. We're going to have a, a, a time of prayer after the service. We're going to have people stations right at, at the, to my right and left if you want prayer. If anything that was said uh, during the message, um, you can come up. The prayer, uh, I'll, I'll ask the prayer partners, though, to not start the prayer till after the service, or rather after the worship. And then we'll also have some prayer out in, uh, out in the food court some tables set up with a sign over to the right of something stirred in your heart. You know, we pray at the 9.30 a.m. prayer service every um, Sunday morning that people would come into this service with this very thing. Just a, a great need, great desire for God, that God would filter out every single little molecule of self-sufficiency so that we'll just come in here understanding that we need God but also understanding he's, he loves us and he wants to fulfill the need to, to meet the desire, to answer the desire. Why don't we stand and have a closing uh, worship song? You know, we are needy people. We need love. We want love. We want joy. There's a desperate cry of, the, of every human being has just for joy. I'm talking about the feeling of joy. But our sin, our, our, the guilt, the shame, the unbelief gets in the way. The Lord's willing to move it and meet your desires in that way grant you the joy and the understanding that he loves you. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name thanking you for this wonderful picture of worship and the incredible calling that you've put on our lives to be worshipers, not just singing, of course, with our lives worshipers.
As that book we read from last week, The Necessity of Prayer, says that, the, that, that you, Lord, would be in all our thoughts, worship thoughts. Father, I pray for Calvary Chapel in the city, every man, woman, and child, that they would understand, they would come to understand how wide and long and high and deep your great salvation of them. I pray this in Jesus' name.